The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Saver Card. Earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment, 2% at grocery stores, and 1% on all other purchases. So I've been up since 4.30 a.m. I've been thinking about this show, the show I thought I was going to do Monday. We did not do it Monday, and for a very, very important and big reason. So we're all cool with it, but... Uh, as I tease an announcement on Monday, uh, we're going to go ahead and do it now. Rosillo Show today with Will Kane, ESPN Radio and ESPN News. But I'm sure maybe some of you have heard or, or seen it out on social media and different reports. But this is going to be my last week at ESPN Radio. Uh, I've been in the slot for over eight and a half years. And I'm pretty proud of that because in the beginning with Van Pelt, a lot of people didn't want me sitting next to Van Pelt. And now I am here eight and a half years later. So I, I'm happy about that. Uh, I'm going to give you the truth. I try to give you the truth in literally everything we do with this show. When it's sports takes and I have some information, hey, this is what's going on. doesn't mean I'm right all the time, but this one I'm absolutely right because I'm the one in the room and it's my career and it's my future. And I think for the sake of me and ESPN, I just want everybody to know exactly what happened. And it's fine and everybody's cool with it because it's the truth and it's okay. Like sometimes the truth can be dangerous. It isn't here. Here's the deal. Uh, I have been here, like I said, 12, eight and a half in this slot. I wasn't sure I wanted to move slots. Uh, personally, I felt like I wasn't maybe growing the way I wanted to grow, and that's okay. Uh, I can be wrong there, and some people could disagree with me. Not a big deal. Uh, the way my contract works is if I was going to move the slot, then I could talk to them about, like, okay, well, if I'm going to move again with Will and we're going to do three to six, you know, especially with everything that a lot of people at the company had to go through uh, earlier this year, I just said, you know, is there any way we can talk about an extension? ESPN said, absolutely, we'll do this. And I was offered an extension and it was the same money that I make now. And, you know, in the grand scheme of the way the world works, it's, it's a lot of money and I get that, but my days were going to be different. Uh, I was going to be in here on NBA hits for sports and I was going to be here like 10 hours a day. I don't have a lot of a life now. I don't really have any balance. Uh, I'd be lying if I told you I've been super happy lately. And I know people that know me really well here. I don't think they're entirely surprised by this. So it would have to be something where I felt like I was also growing creatively outside of ESPN radio, some other entity, something else with television where I'm going, hey, I'm really, really growing here. And when I'm 45, I'm going to be at this level. I don't know if that was going to happen. And maybe I'm making the wrong call. And maybe somebody in management is making the right call and saying, you know, we just we're not sure. So that and again, guess what? All of this is OK. It's been super amicable, believe it or not. And. The cool thing about this is that, you know, basically it's like, well, if I can get more money, then I guess maybe I'll, I'll suck up these 10 hour days. And we're like, no, you know, we're making a commitment to you. We're staying. Let's see how three to six goes. And we all just kind of looked at each other and said, it's okay. It's okay. I'm going to say no. And they're like, that's fine. You can bounce. And the cool thing that we've done, because as the ratings have come out for this fall and something I can't tell you how proud I am of this is when I look at the four digital properties and it goes Dan Lebetard one. Mike and Mike or PTI two, the other one is three, and then it says Ryan Rosillo four. You know how much that means to me that that many people listen to the show and all the different versions that we've had with Scott, then me, then Danny, then me, then Will for some of the days and the things we've done on Fridays. Like we have put this together with the staff, with Saruti, with Michelle, the staff prior to that. Saruti's had to jump in the producer chair a couple different times. I am so freaking proud of that number with all of the moving parts that we've had on just this little slot here from one to four for that long that I've built and all of you that have listened and watched that I feel good. I feel like I've done something great and there's this other itch that I want to get to professionally and I want to move. So 
That's kind of where I'm at. I've only lived in New England my entire life. And the cool part about this, because work and myself, we've all talked this out. I'm going to do a podcast because I'm still under contract until August, September. Van Pelt's still not giving up. <laughs> Van Pelt's like, Jay, just do the podcast, move out to Manhattan Beach, and then we'll talk to you at the end of the summer. I don't know if he's in charge of that. But a lot of times when your run is over or your job is over, what that is, it's a weird thing. People get mad at each other. That is not the case right now. Um, I'm cool with it. I'm having, I'll admit, moments where I'm in the car being like, are you seriously going to do this? And every moment of fear is trumped by a moment of excitement that I have about what I'm going to do next. And it's kind of an awesome feeling, even though it's unsettling. But I got to tell you, like, I've, I almost feel like I have to force myself to do something different. I'm forcing myself into change and the unknown, and I kind of like it. So for Will, he's going to be doing three to six, and I want everyone to understand that this is a dude that I've enjoyed working with a ton. It is very simple. I asked for a new deal. It was a fair deal. I get their point. I just said no, and that's where we're at now. I imagine... (laughs) That's straight talk. <laughs> Listen, man, I imagine for a lot of your longtime listeners, they feel like that seeing the big Lebowski after all that he's been through, after every narrow miss and every endangered moment, he comes out and his car's on fire and they're like, they finally did it, man. You finally killed my car. Will finally did it. You finally <laughs> killed the Rosillo show. No, I, no. You know, the, the thing, I just, one real, like I sat next to Scott for all those years and had people tell me, shut up. I only want to hear Scott. And after Scott was gone, everybody hated Danny. And after Danny was gone, everybody hated everybody that was there. And for those of you that are going to give Will a hard time because I'm not here, everybody needs to back off. Just either don't hit send or give it a month. (laughs) Give it a month and get to know the guy because I'm a big fan of Will. Well, let me tell you, this wasn't about to make it about me, but this is what I want to say. I remember when I first joined ESPN in 2015. And at that time, I think it wasn't long after that that Scott left the show. And as it always happens, when things change at a place like ESPN, everybody goes, what's that going to be like? Could you be in the running for that? I'd like to be in the running for that. Can you throw my hat in there? And I remember a conversation with guys that you and I both like a lot. I was like, you and Ryan together. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that that would work. I don't know how that would work. And it took two years before we finally sat together. And chemistry is a really funny thing. You know, I think sometimes management takes it for granted that it can be created or captured. But all too often, it's this rarity that you just bump into. And I was super pumped about the idea of hanging out with you every day and doing Rosillo and Kane because I've enjoyed every moment sitting next to you over the last several months. And I can't speak for Scott and I can't speak for Danny and all the guys that have sat next to you like Adnan or Vilma. But for me, sitting next to you was one of the most pleasant surprises of my career. Not just because we're kind of, I don't know, the same dude and kind of boys and, and that kind of stuff, but because I have a ton of respect for you. You do the work, you work hard. You know what you're talking about. But more than that, you respect people, I would say, most often, <laughs> that sit across from you. And you bought, brought out some of the best in me, and I don't think that's about unique to me. I'm sure Scott would say the same thing. I'm sure Danny would say the same thing. And that's a testament to how good you are at this. Because being good at this is not just about how good you are with a microphone in front of your mouth, but how you good, how good you are with other people. So I got to be honest. I'm, I'm, yeah, I am excited to be doing this. I don't know that I'm any more excited than it would have been if it had been you and me together. So I'm bummed that you're leaving. I'm going to have fun. My voice is going to stop cracking in a minute. <laughs> hey, man, like, look, I... This is the guy that yells at Stephen A. acting like a wuss right now, but... Uh, I'm 
You're, you're, you're a hell of a pro at this, man. You're damn good at this. And I would have loved working with you. Well, thanks. More. First. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks seriously for saying everybody that's reached out. And, you know, I've gotten a lot of notes and it's weird. It is weird. I mean, I've, I've been here every day for almost a decade. And then, you know, the years I was driving back and forth from Boston, but, um, I'll like two years ago, it's something I always wanted to do. I wanted to write television shows and that's kind of where this is going. And I don't know if I can do it or not. And I've been working on it ever since I went through the process two years ago of pitching a show that we brought in, we brought it to networks and, you know, it was a scripted drama. I thought it was a pretty good idea. And then the idea changed and changed and changed. And it was less about what I wanted to do and more about the guys that were pros. And I sat in a pitch room and I watched another guy kind of pitch originally what was my idea. And I didn't like the way he pitched it. And the guy that went ahead and pitched it and rewrote the whole thing blew me off. And I had four networks waiting on a pilot. And he, he didn't even bother to call me for five months. And it's bothered me every day since for about two years. Because I go, we failed, but we didn't fail because I failed. If, I, if I'm going to not be able to do something, I want to not be able to do it because it was something that I did wrong. So, yeah, I'll be playing pickup hoops in Manhattan Beach and then jumping in the water, and I'll be doing a podcast once a week, and I'm going to try to pursue that. And then after that in August, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, it's a huge risk, but 15 years ago when I was bartending and said I want to be a talk show host, everybody made fun of me then, <laughs> and I didn't care. And I think I subconsciously have been doing this with the way I've kind of run my life day to day of not getting close to anybody or not having a family because I think deep down I always knew at some point I was going to try this. And I don't, I don't know if it's going to work or not. And yeah, it's a little scary a little bit here and there, but if I don't do it now, um, you know, I'm, I might not ever do it. So that's where I'm at. And it honestly, man, like, yeah, there are days like all of us with our job. You know, this is really more about me making a decision to try to do something different here. And I'm, I'm ready. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. And that's, that's what I'm doing. And that's straight talk brought to you by straight talk wireless. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Okay. Uh, coming up next, the Cavs could be getting ready to try to reload. Now, what are you saying? Hey, Ryan, they're already really good, but I'm talking about something extra. The Cavs are going to try to get extra perhaps before the trade deadline with Will Kane today. Three hours. We're not going to do three hours of that show. Maybe one more time in a different market because your <laughs> your your audience changes every every ten minutes. But uh we're gonna do that. That's coming up next. Rosillo show for a few more days on ESPN radio. In life there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. 
An interesting creature inhabits the flat, arid plains of many an automobile dashboard. The bobblehead. It's most agreeable and will nod along to anything, despite having no brain function. But when the bobblehead hears how Geico not only saves people money, but also gives them access to licensed agents 24-7 online and over the phone, he'll nod even more vigorously, because he knows you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Easy, bobblehead, easy. You're going to get whiplash. Did you watch any hoops last night? Because it was a light night. Very light. Honestly, I did not watch I'm not. This night. is not a call-out. You shouldn't have been watching Well, I'll hoops. tell you the truth. Yeah. You know I'm a little under the weather. <laughs> You're I, still I t- under the weather. Day two, huh? You gave me some nice orange juice yesterday. I got helped. another OJ in the fridge. But I turned it in like at nine last night. Good, like I'm on the TB12 method. A good night of sleep and a bunch of OJ, maybe some stretching and some meditation, and you're on the way to health. Right, but now even Tom can't get his trainer onto the chartered plane, which is a story out of the Pats that uh, mm-hmm. maybe we'll get to a little bit later. Actually, I want to ask Booger about that. Okay, but instead I want to talk Cavs because the Cavs started five and seven. Defensively weren't very good. Still, statistically, defensively, they're not very good. But the bench has been coming around. The bench was actually great last night. They were down 20 to Milwaukee. They almost come back and win the game. And Giannis has some big plays. LeBron was great, too. So whatever. So there's another thing brewing here with Cleveland that is very worth paying attention to. And this is based on conversations around the league. And it is this. Is that Cleveland, even if they end up trending towards the one seed, because Boston is regressing a bit here, Cleveland is still going to, like every team, looking at this as an arms race. And if they can add a DeAndre Jordan, they're going to try. I don't know if the Clippers would be interested in taking back some of the contracts they'd have to. Maybe it doesn't make a ton of sense. But if they get some kind of asset from it, they may like it. Or they may like one of those players. But there's one other thing that's worth paying attention to here with Cleveland, and that is Paul George. And you're going to say, Ryan, Paul George is on the thunder. That doesn't make any sense. But just in conversations and theories being thrown around, would, if the thunder... We're a mess, and we're saying 500, below 500. They've been really good defensively. Would they then say, if you're Presti going, I have no indication George is staying. I don't want to lose him for nothing. And now it shouldn't matter, but the assets I moved out have looked pretty good for the Pacers. We're not that good of a playoff threat. Could I move Paul George for some kind of piece? And what would the bidding entail? And then would Cleveland, LeBron, call up Paul George and say, get over here to Cleveland, We'll send over a pick. I don't think it'd be the Brooklyn pick. I don't think Cleveland would ever do that. And would they be able to add a Paul George, even being the number one seed in the East? And would Presty, in the all-time Westbrook Petty game, would Presty help facilitate George to the Cavs, knowing that it would ultimately, likely, mess with the Warriors in the NBA Finals? Okay, let me ask you two questions, all right? First, you, a little bit like Stephen A., when I hear you start, you know, pontificating on possibilities, I realize it's more than just, let's see what sticks against the wall. Okay? Yes, thank you. Meaning you've talked to some people. You know... Yeah, you didn't make it up, all right? (laughs) So, let me ask you this. What assets would Cleveland, you think, be willing to part with to bring back a piece? And I don't think I can say like Paul George, because Paul George is somewhat of a unique piece in the terms that he's a rental. What what assets are they willing to part with? This would really be a... George is leaving. You're going to get nothing for him. No other team is even going to give you a first-rounder because they don't think they can re-sign him. Or Cleveland would say, we'll give you some first-rounder, not the Brooklyn one, because Oklahoma City would do that in a second. And that right. is right. if the Thunder in two months look like a team that still has 
nothing going for them. They could be good. They could be in the play, but I, it's about, do you think you're actually going to compete? And if Presti having to go through it with Durant, who may be a little bit more sensitive to just then let George go, what's the, the market for George may be nothing because everybody trading for him doesn't think that they're going to be able to keep him. Would Cleveland say, well, we don't care. We'll move a first rounder for the guy. So that's really the conversation that you have to have. The Brooklyn pick would do it. Well, yeah, but that, as, as you point out, that's not happening. I so what you're looking at is a late 20s first round pick at some yeah, point in the some, future. Something like to that. To get Paul George. Yeah. Second question is, tell me why Sam Presti would send Paul George to Cleveland. This is not, this is, this is dudes on the, just talking. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is not, this is not from Oklahoma City. I just want to emphasize that. But if it's human nature, if you were Presty, wouldn't you like to make it a little harder on Durant to get another title? If Paul George is on the other side coming out of the East, and that is, again, no disrespect to Houston, but if Golden State's playing in the NBA Finals, which I still expect to happen. Revenge. You would do it in a second. So what you're telling me is it's revenge. <laughs> you would do it. Me? Yeah. I'm not vengeful. You've got me wrong. Though. Oh, no way. I wish I was more vengeful. You're like, you're like unforgiven. <laughs> Deserves got nothing to do with it, William. William Muddy, uh, you would you would definitely do it. I, hell, I'd probably do it. Well, I think look look at it this way. I think your analysis is right that the market for Paul, for Paul George on a rental for half a season would be limited to those teams that think he put he puts them over the top. How many teams fit that bill? Four or five? Houston, Cleveland, San Antonio. You're looking at a handful of teams that would be willing to do a deal for Paul George. It doesn't take long to get to Cleveland. It doesn't. It doesn't. What I'm telling you, if Cleveland thought they already had him at one point, and the fallout from that trade not happening, the stories go all over the place on what did or didn't happen. So you know how easy it would be for LeBron to call up Paul George? And granted, now, the Thunder at this point have his contract. would be dictating where they want to trade him, but Cleveland might be willing to kick in a little bit more. If they think that they could have LeBron convince George, go, don't just come here for this run. What if they win? You know, what? If, there's all these different things you have to think about. But I love, and this is the flimsiest part of all of it, mm-hmm. just asking. Surudi, I want to ask you, do you think Presti would go, yeah, if I end up with George on the Cavs and he has to defend Durant, I'm not bummed out about it. How pumped would OKC fans be about that, too? Like, that's a win for him. Where, where you, you're, I agree with you, Saruti. You seem to be resisting this. He's I mean, resisting. No, no. I just don't take flimsy takes. Um, no. Let me. I think that Presti will take the best deal available to him, and that may come yeah. from Cleveland, but it also may come from Daryl Morey in Houston. It could. It could. And if you're it, just to push you on the limb a little further out there, because mm-hmm. you started so solid, and of course we got to get out on the edges. Is it more likely in your estimation that Paul George is wearing a Cleveland Cavaliers jersey or a Houston Rockets jersey by the end of the season? Just those oh, two that, choices. That I have no idea. On. Just those two choices. I I would be just guessing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you like but you like revenge. <laughs> uh well, you know, but here's the thing is that maybe Presty would look at Houston saying, I'm getting I'm getting revenge on Durant. Either Before way. he gets to the finals. Yeah. Right. Right. You don't even get the cool hoodie and stuff. The Rosilla Show with Will Kane on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can save hundreds in your car, business, or recreational vehicle insurance from local independent agent. Go to Progressive.com. Now that's Progressive. Uh, this this Pat story is weird. Brady has a trainer, part of the TB12 method, PJs, colder temps, meditate. sleep, meditate, pliability. 
who was apparently on the team planes and stuff, and now they're like, nah, nah. We don't, we don't watch. So Belichick is restricting his access. I want to ask Booger about this, how weird this is, because I know you're into this topic too. We're just going to talk some football. Booger. I'm into it. Let's do All it. Right. Booger McFarlane, next 30 minutes, Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio. Nobody's trying to stop me. No, nothing is beyond me. I'm coming at you Now that Human Resources VP Meg Ward has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, she's totally owning it at work. She even has her own hype song. I'ma blow it up now. My workforce is really diverse. You know, different hours, different skill sets, different pay grades. We're motivating and engaging the right people every step of the way. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce. Learn more at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger. Burger McFarlane, time for Straight Talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Best phones, best networks, no contracts. we got Burger with us for the next 30 minutes. It's funny because I was just... Thinking about you the other day, it was the the eleven six game. Eleven, you mean St. Louis? Yeah, yeah. I think it's like eleven seven or something like that. Yeah, I twelve was, seven. Is the Ricky uh, Pro just crushed my dreams? Ricky Pro, and that's that's the whole the catch not a catch deal. Well, it was they a couple things. Rule. Yeah, Ricky Pro with the uh, Hail Mary type catch, and then the Bert Emanuel catch not a catch. Uh, we're to the point right now in sports, and I think I speak for every sports fan when I say this. We would love to be able to watch the game and, among ourselves, figure out what a catch is. <laughs> the fact that Al Riveron and his buddies have to go underneath a, a shed and call New York and get on a conference call in front of 80,000 people to figure out what a catch is, I think, takes away from the game. And it kind of takes away from the sport a little bit. 11 to 6. 11 to 6. That was the game. I remember where I was watching. It was the very beginning of 2000. Mm-hmm. And this Bucks defense mm-hmm. held that Rams team to 11 points. You take more pride in your Buccaneers Super Bowl ring or your Colts Super Bowl ring? Um, not really more pride, but it's different. The Bucks Super Bowl ring was me helping um, guys like Sapp, Brooks, Rondé Barber, John Lynch. Because when I got to Tampa, those guys worked so hard, but they didn't have anything to show for it. It was a dominant defense that should have won another two Super Bowls. People talk about the Ravens defense. I put our Bucks defense up against anybody, and we never had anything to show for it. So that was a culmination of a lot of hard work. That Rich McCain, when he drafted Brooks and Sapp and put that team together, uh, that was special. But the one in Indy, man, I'll never forget. When Tony Dungy was fired in Tampa, it was pouring down raining, and the local news station showed a picture of Dungy walking to his car, one box, pouring down raining by itself. I'll never forget that image. And it's the only Super Bowl to date that's been played in the rain. And so we walk out, and I didn't think about this until the game was over. We walk out for the Super Bowl, and it's drizzling. It drizzled the whole game. And to walk off that field with that trophy and to see Tony Dungy with tears in his eyes as the rain came down, the only thing I could think about was that man walking to the car with a box, pouring down rain. And and to me, that was fulfilling enough. And it it was emotional for me just because – uh, in between the Bucks Super Bowl and the Coast Super Bowl, I lost my mom. And so you get so many emotions coming that night. 
it was just unreal. I cherish them both. I wear both rings uh, the same, uh, although the Colts white gold Super Bowl ring gets worn more. If you want to be a fashion forward, you have to wear white gold these days. Is that right? No, I think so. I mean, nobody's wearing yellow gold. Russell, look at his watch. His watch has no like yellow gold on it anywhere. People are wearing silver, white gold, platinum, that type of stuff these days. I like this rose gold one, but it's just a little. I didn't play defensive line. It's a little. It's a little out of my. It's funny you say that, Booger, because I went with the white gold wedding ring. Yes, but you know what? I feel like yellow gold came back, and then I'm with. I'm the guy with. Where's the white it at? Gold. I haven't. You said you it came back. I must have missed that. It's traditional. It's 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 you know yellow gold. You got to be a certain age, and you're not there yet. You should yeah. feel good about you it. You think sixty so? or yeah. above is yeah. yellow gold because you can go with the classic yellow gold Rolex, and you can wear it with anything. And people say, okay. He's distinguished. He's a businessman. Right. Uh, wisdom. I mean, those are things that what you're about, associated with. What about this? Probably like likes this. Fox News. See, now, Ryan Clark does this. And this is what. What about the two-tone watch? Yellow gold and stainless. Yeah. See, I think you're trying too hard when you go two-tone. Really? That's yeah. a try too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take two-tone that, watch is kind of like the double-breast suit. Like, we know you have a suit on. You don't have to wrap yourself in a blanket. Like, we already know this. I mean, let's just be honest. Who do, wears a double breast suit? Do you anymore? have one? I do not. Did you ever? Uh, yes. Yeah, and I will, I will never, that. ever get another one, dude. Like, yeah, let's dress up. No, that's not good enough. Wrap myself one more time in a blanket and then button it up. Are you I, kidding me? I gotta be honest. I've never got one. I've never understood it. I've looked at it when a guy tries to sell you on it when you're getting fitted for stuff, mm-hmm. and I've gone, I just, I'm not there. There's a place for it. I don't have Where? one. Where? I don't have one, but I, I don't think it's off the reservation. I don't think, I don't look at the double-breasted suit and go, you're way, way overbalanced here. I don't Will, look the, at that. No. Come on, Will, the double-breasted suit is so far gone. Here's a question for you. When did you go from, because there's a point in time where this happened, where you went from, you know what, I want to wear this type of clothing, and then somewhere along the line you went from, you know what, I just don't want to wear sleeves anymore. I want to wear everything European cut. Less is more for you because I I, I've doing. noticed that about you. Like you, <laughs> you would come to work with like a, I don't know if this is appropriate. I'm going to just call it with like an A shirt, yeah. you know, on the street. We call them wife beaters yeah, or whatever. Tank top. Yeah. You would come to work with one of those if it was appropriate. Wait until you see not. my outfit Friday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I have, I, I, I went from dress pants, dress shoes, button downs every day for years. Okay. To, Mark Schlereth was sort of my inspiration. He'd get a workout in, he'd be on Mike and Mike, and be wearing a t-shirt. And I go, yeah, what are we doing? It's radio on TV. Right. And why am I dressing up for this? And the other thing, too, is that there's so many days where you're already in a suit all day. Right. And you come in here, you want to be comfortable in the studio. So I definitely used to dress up more then. But my wardrobe is almost entirely influenced on the paycheck. Like, let's not kid ourselves. If you start making a little bit more money... And then you're going. Well, that's the case. You, you should be wearing, wearing like double-breasted sleeves. suits in here. <laughs> I mean, maybe you are now. You know, now that you're, you know, now that you're moving on, maybe you just kind of no, no, take not. it a different way. I mean, back in the day, you'd be like, "Wait a minute, another Banana Republic coupon? <laughs> <laughs> this is incredible. These chinos are so twenty percent off of these. I've never shopped in Banana Republic. You, you know what? No one should knock it because it's actually pretty good. I totally but, agree. But there was I, a now stretch. I think you're snooty. No, it's not snooty. I mean, Banana Republic doesn't make anything for the. How should I put this? The country brother. The brother that has thighs and, Nelly, a, and a butt. Grammar? No, I'm just saying. The brother that has thighs and a butt. I mean, come on, man. Let's keep it real. Like, n- no brothers are saying, you know what? Let me go pick up those chinos at Banana Republic. We got to talk to Kevin Love about this. Hey, I assume if Tristan Thompson has any Banana Republic chinos. He's different. I mean, Chloe probably has him outfitted. And oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's come funny. on. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so, what about you? You got a du- so you don't have a double breasted suit. No, no. Okay. All right. Let's how do many, but real quick. How many, do you have any three button suits left? 
Yes. Yes. I do have one. I'm trying to get it converted, but my tailor says, you know what? Convert it. It's more work to convert this and do. I was like, dude, I don't want to throw this away. He's like, yeah, but you're going to cost me more work. I was like, okay, but I still have one. Still have one. Yeah. Probably has four, too. Are you guys going with the new, because here's a trend I cannot get on. It's the trend where you put your, you design your pants to show a little bit of sock. No. See, we used to call that flooding back in the day. Yeah. Yes. Right. I can't flood. Like to me, that's a, I, actually, you have a one or two though. I got you? a few. Yeah. yeah. I've noticed it. I got a couple. How do you do that? Like that feels so awkward. Uh, it's, you know, it's funny too is when you're on Sports Center and then you sit down, depending on which chairs it is. Yeah. And, and, you're, 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 back, and, and your calf right. is out. <laughs> you see my Tasmanian devil tattoo on my calf. Uh, I mean, come on. Yeah. I got a couple like that, but that's the thing is, is really most of those suits now, now, that Bill O'Reilly tweet was insane. He's like, tip of the day. Clothing companies are trying to, like, screw you out of fabric. You're like, no. Or the style is that everybody's wearing tighter stuff. Like, I used to be a 46 jacket, and now I try to order stuff in 44 and hope the sleeves don't rip off. That's the toughest thing for me is to convert to the European cut because I've always Forget been. Forget it for you, man. No, I mean, but even even for me, it's always been about comfort. And even now, my tail's like, listen, that jacket's too big. I'm like, it's comfortable. He's like, okay. yeah, but it's too big. But this you? is the guy that wore, by the way, a short sleeve suit, right? And I was <laughs> forward thinking. ESPY's 2003 Los Angeles. i never forget. I got dressed at the, what is it, the, the Mondrian Hotel. I got dressed, and when I walked downstairs, it was a couple of people was like, yeah. They, they were like, <laughs> yeah. confusing what it, that look was. It was six butt, <laughs> maybe seven, but it was short sleeve. And that's what threw everybody for a loop. Yeah, it's throwing me off right now. I got to go find this picture. You but, didn't know that. But have you... I don't know that you understand how perfectly, like, science puts you together to play defensive line. Yes. Because when I walk behind you, yeah. I see a body that doesn't even make it. It's hard to describe. It's right. like Ram Man or something, where you have this back that, <laughs> like, you have these athletic legs and hips yeah. that aren't just big guy legs and hips. And then you have this like God back said, I'm going to make this guy right here hard yeah. to move. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I'm going to set him up so he's still nimble enough to do all these things, but then his upper body is going to look like it's a 400-pound man. You're you're a weird fit. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know how I stand this. No, I'm just, this <laughs> is not knocking you. All right, let's talk about guys' bodies more <laughs> next. Uh, but specifically, let's talk about this story coming out of the Pats where it looks like Brady's right-hand man is being asked to not be around as much. Straight Talk Wireless, Will Kane, Booger McFarland, Rosillo Show. Nationwide coverage on America's largest, most dependable 4G LTE networks. An interesting creature inhabits the flat, arid plains of many an automobile dashboard. The bobblehead. It's most agreeable and will nod along to anything, despite having no brain function. But when the bobblehead hears how Geico not only saves people money, but also gives them access to licensed agents 24-7 online and over the phone, he'll nod even more vigorously because he knows you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Easy, bobblehead, easy. You're going to get whiplash. Weird story out of New England that's actually apparently been brewing for a while. I've been paying attention to what's going on. And that is Brady, who's now kind of in the sunset of his career here, which maybe I should never say uh, because you never know with him. But he's got his training methods. He's got you know his whole deal. And the Boston Globe had this piece on Alex Guerrero, who had his own office. His setup was right there at the football facilities. He was traveling on chartered planes. He was on the sideline, this whole deal, that Belichick has now restricted his access. So I think I'd start first, Booger. Like, how weird would it be for almost a, pr- a player on the team? I mean, look, again, it's Brady. And part of the story says that Belichick would tell confidence, like, hey, what am I supposed to do? It's Tom. Kind of have his 
right-hand man with him at all times. It's not really through the team of the league. It's very weird, and I guarantee you what's going on behind the scenes is some players are like, yeah, I understand he's Tom Brady, but let's just say, for example, I'm Rob Gronkowski. I'm Julian Edelman. How come I can't have my guy? So there's some resentment somewhere in that locker room, and I guarantee you that had gone up the chain of command, and people knew about that. Even though he's Tom Brady, maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, he still gets resented from others in that locker room. And I, and, and I got to think that Bill had heard enough from enough people. He's like, listen, I don't need to deal with this. We're trying to win a Super Bowl. You know, Tom, okay, let's figure out another way to do this. We're going to restrict it. We're going to make the statement that you're no bigger than anyone else. And now I don't have to deal with some of the other things from everyone else. Um, <clears throat> I got to disagree with you a little bit. but it's Which he, part? Well, I don't think the problem was that there was resentment growing that why does Tom get his guy, why don't I get my guy? I think the problem was the growing sense that he was everybody's guy. Everybody started turning to Guerrero was mm-hmm. the reports that he wasn't just working with Tom at some point. He was, in fact, working with Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. And we should point out, this is like one of the most healthy years Gronkowski has had in quite some time. He was working with Edelman. He was working with numerous players. Now, you're right, though. There was stuff filtering up to Belichick. You can almost guarantee on mm-hmm. that. But here's what I think was happening. That training staff, that medical staff that you're so used to working with, Booger, was looking at Belichick going, why are all our guys going to that guy? Yeah. And that guy, Alex Guerrero, has some shady stuff in his background. So they had plenty of ammo to fire. The point is, in the end... We're supposed to be working for you, Bill. Why is they all going to him, right? And he says stuff that we don't agree with. And sooner or later, I think Bill does have to put the hammer down and go, you know what? It's my organization, not Guerrero's. I'll tell you this, Ryan. I'm just in – people might find this, like, incompatible with the way I talk about most things. I'm into the open mind of what Guerrero was talking about. Like, hmm, you stretch a little more? You eat right? You sleep, you know, a little more? Maybe I should start Here's meditating, Here's the problem with too. that, though. Guerrero doesn't work for the Patriots. And, right. And, and that's the bigger issue. Oh, I'm with you the problem. And, yeah. and if something ever shakes out, where maybe he slipped him a supplement, he gave him something else, totally. and, and, and the league comes back. So now, do are the Patriots responsible? Because as a player, I can say, well, the team gave it to me. Totally. No, no, no. Team didn't right. give it to you. This other guy gave it to you. So that's I understand where the Patriots are when you when you look at the totality of the situation. Booger McFarlane. Hanging out. Uh, I want to do this and transition to it. I think the Bucks are the most disappointing story in the NFL this year. Agreed. What the hell, dude? Um, I'll give you my synopsis of the situation, and it may not be everybody's. I think Dirk Cutter is in over his head. He's a tremendous offensive coordinator. I don't know if he's a tremendous manager of people. Part of being a great head coach is you have to manage people. John Gruden was a great, great play caller who came to Tampa. We had a ready-made defense. He called plays. We won a Super Bowl. But he, too, was not a great manager of people. That's why he got fired at the end. I think Dirk Cutter has the potential to be a very good head coach. His ability to manage and motivate men hasn't been well. Subsequently, what's happened is his attention to detail with Jameis Winston has slacked. And Jameis Winston is not having as good of a year as we thought he would have. Now, you couple that with a losing season. Jameis going into the fourth year next year of his contract. He's going to want to get paid. Now, what do you do? Very disappointing. But here's the quandary the Bucks are in. You can't fire him, in my opinion, because if so, you'd be paying three head coaches at one time. And the one thing I know about the Glazers, they don't like to spend that cash, buddy. So the Bucks are really almost stuck with Dirk Cutter for another year, and they got to hope that Dirk understands how to manage people better. Huh? Wow! I hadn't really. I didn't think anybody. I think most people are just going to ah, Cutter. He's out of there. Yeah, but how many? How many guys have they? I mean, you can't just keep dumping well, it's guys. Greg, every, and then it's. Yeah. Lovey, and then it's well. Here, I, think, right? I think they're done with Greg, so I think you'd have to pay Lovey, you'd have to pay Cutter, and you'd have oh, to pay, pay a new the guy. new guy. Okay, yeah, all right, new all right. guy. That's three mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, man. Okay, but the Winston thing. 
do you think in two years we're going, glad he figured this thing out? Or do we go, remember when everybody thought he was the answer for 10 years? Wow. Uh, that I don't know because they have an offense that's a big play offense based on Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans. Well, here's the problem. He's not that good of a deep ball thrower. He throws the shorter routes, 15 and under, very well. That's a West Coast offense. It's not a West Coast offense they're running. They're trying to get chunk plays down the field. Like Deshaun Jackson should have about eight more touchdowns. Jameis Winston missed him several times, at least won a game the first eight games. I don't know. Winston has got to get better. He had that issue in, in college with his eyesight. He was always squinting. I heard he got that fix, LASIK, whatever he did. He's got to get better. Like, I mean, I mean, you remember that. No, that I do, college, I do. He's right. always yeah. squinting. Like, I mean, what is he looking at? I mean, get some glasses or something. Hopefully he gets better because they have to stick with him, in my opinion. You're the best. Thanks for everything, Booger. Thanks, Booger. All right, coming up next, Levator called the commissioner a liar.